Welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for the Land Grant Podcast Network. We're two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Jamie Urich, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Megan Hussline. Hi, Megan. Hi, Jamie. Super happy to talk all things March Madness today with you. Are we exhausted? Are we like ready for football? How are we feeling in the wake of the madness? Honestly, this was probably my favorite year of March Madness, both men's and women's. I'm, I kind of fell off of the men's after my bracket was busted, but like I stayed paying attention throughout the whole women's tournament and it was so much fun. So like, I'm kind of sad the women's is over, but the men, I was just like, okay, we have like so many random teams in the final four. Like I don't really care anymore. I'm like, I'm over that, but it's always a good time. Like, this was probably my favorite year of March Madness. Yeah, like, do we think anyone's bracket survived the men's tournament? Uh, no. Not at all. There's no chance. Because that was nuts. I mean, actually, both the men's and women's March Madness tournaments this year were, like, absolute chaos. Yeah. Like, I'm the resident chaos monger of Land Grant, so I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> But let's, I feel like we should like, let's dive into the tournaments. Yeah. Um, we can do the women first because the Buckeyes had a hand in all of that madness. Um, starting with their, first of all, tremendous start to the tournament, but they're coming off their Big Ten tournament um, and they had a his, pretty historic win in March Madness over UConn. Yeah, I mean... I I believed that they have a chance because, you know, I think I mentioned this in last podcast. This isn't like the dominant UConn that we're used to. Like they've lost a few times this year. And Ohio State was just playing their best basketball that they have been all season. So I really believed that they could have beat them. But then the first quarter, they were making me really nervous because I think they were really nervous too. And they were just not playing well. But once they settled down, played their game, totally upset UConn's offense with their uh, full-court press, which is so frustrating. They just dominated UConn. They just easily won. I mean, it just looked like they worked seamlessly out there. They looked so good. And I was so happy for them. Like, it was so iconic. It it was just such a huge win for them. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um and then, of course, they so that in doing that snapped UConn's elite eight streak, which was the longest in history. Um, and then went on to lose in a, a heartbreaker to Virginia Tech. So um, that was that was hard to watch, but mm-hmm. um, they played amazing. Like I feel like there were a couple games where they just were playing with such a fire. Yeah. lit under them like in a way that kind of started in the Big Ten tournament I think like that fire was lit in the Big Ten tournament they were beating teams that they kind of struggled against during the regular season and um then in the tournament like they just they were ready to go JC Sheldon was fired up mm-hmm. um and I do think that having her back for the tournament was a huge huge asset to the team um and we get her back next season as well I know. I'm so excited. She is just such a huge part of this team. She's the leader of this team. So, you know, obviously we saw this past season when she was injured, it hurt not having her there. The Buckeyes still did really well, but 
the addition of her just, like you said, that fire was fueled even more through this team. And more than that, she's a great player. She made that shot against North Carolina that sent them into the next round against UConn. So she is just so fun to watch. And, you know, she tweeted out simply just unfinished business. She has bigger goals here. Um, and, you know, this team is going to be really good next year. We are losing Taylor Mikesell, which is obviously huge. I'm so sad because watching her shoot is just ugh, so fun. But um, besides that, everyone else is returning. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, this team's going to be so good. Cody McMahon in her second year, we're going to have some freshmen coming in. So it's shaping up to be another great year for women's basketball next year. It really is. And, you know, Cody McMahon, I do want to just kind of bring up the UConn game because the UConn coach, Gina Oriema, is obviously like a legendary, legendary basketball coach. Mm -hmm. He has 11 NCAA championships. Like, crazy. He coached Sue Bird. He coached Brandon Stewart. He is the Coach K of women's basketball. Um, and he was, he made a comment in the post game interview after the UConn game where he said, um, something about like invariably in these games, like it's somebody else that steps up and ends up being the difference maker. Like it's not the player that gets all the attention all season in reference to Cody McMahon, who really just like went off in the UConn game. How could a coach of his stature be surprised by Cody McMahon? Yeah, I mean, she's Big Ten Freshman of the Year, right? And just one of the top freshmen in the country. So it doesn't make sense. Like, honestly, she's the best player, you could say, on the team. She puts up consistently. She's in double digits every game. So it is surprising. You know, you listed all of his accomplishments. He obviously is one of the greatest coaches ever. And to kind of be surprised by Cody McMahon, I mean, that's just not preparing your team well, you know? Like, she went off against UConn as well, so they just didn't have a game plan for her, which was great for Ohio State, but it was just confusing because she's been dominant all year long, you know? This wasn't a surprise thing, like he said. Right, and especially because J.C. Sheldon was out for most of the season with an injury, she was even that much more prominent throughout the season. Mm -hmm. Like You know that they're watching film before these games. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Something's not clicking about him not anticipating the level of play that she is capable of. Um, That was like something in the, in the, post-game interview that just really I was like yeah it doesn't make sense (laughs) you know um but elsewhere in the Big Ten somebody else that's being talked about left and right is Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes who shocked everyone by upsetting the heavy tournament favorite South Carolina to advance to the final and then were ultimately upset themselves by LSU in the championship so let's start with the Iowa South Carolina game, and then we'll kind of get our make our way to the championship. Um, were you surprised by Iowa's win over South Carolina? Honestly, I wasn't. I picked them to beat South Carolina. You know, if anyone was going to do it, it was going to be Iowa. I don't think anyone else could have. That was simply one of the greatest games of women's basketball I've ever seen, if not the greatest. I mean, it was neck and neck 
the entire game. And it was just so fun watching the best players in the country duke it out. You know, Caitlin Clark, Monica Zanano versus Leah Boston and Zaya Cook. It's just what you wanted. And we sim- they gave us a show. Like, it was so much fun. And once again, Caitlin Clark had a Caitlin Clark performance. We fangirled over her so heavy. She is just so much fun to watch. So when you throw her in the mix, in addition to just these two great teams playing for a championship spot, I mean, what more could you want besides that being the national championship? Like, that was the greatest Final Four game ever, in my opinion. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, it was unbelievable. Like, Caitlin Clark is is must-watched much must watch television obviously i it's interesting i do i did have a sliver of a doubt where i was like is she enough to right tip the scales in iowa's favor because like iowa obviously like is an extremely talented team all the way around but there were moments in the season where they felt a little bit like a one trick pony with mm-hmm. Caitlin Clark and I think there was a part of me that was like, this is going to be the game where those holes kind of get poked. Um, Yeah. But actually it was, it was the LSU game where those holes got poked and LSU. I mean, LSU looked dominant in that game. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something to be said for the refereeing, but I don't think the referees can spin that kind of dominance in the at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it might have been a closer game if there was some better officiating. However, LSU just simply outplayed Iowa that day. Um, it also hurt that Clark and Zanano got in foul trouble so early, and mm-hmm. um, Zanano actually fouled out. So I think that was a huge key in that game, but... Just overall, LSU came out ready to play. You know, they had nothing to lose. Um, They were fired up. They were confident in themselves. And ultimately, I think it was kind of the fact that, you know, Caitlin Clark can't win a national championship by herself. You mentioned that Iowa is an overall great team, but, you know, to win it all in the title game, like you do need that full team. And like I said, with Zanano fouling out, I think that was huge as well. So... Oh, what a game, though. What a season. What a Overall, season. just two great teams. I do want to go back to Caitlin Clark for a second, and then we're going to get into the Angel Reese of it all, um, because she deserves her own segment, so we will give her that time. Um, so Caitlin Clark is obviously like a phenomenal player. We've talked about her so much this season on this podcast. We've talked about her in land-grant articles. Um, she won the Naismith Award. Some people are saying she's the best to ever play the game. Do you think that that's true? And if not, what is it about her that is drawing people to women's basketball? It's such an interesting question. I would have to say during the past decade or so, yes, I think she's the best player. She's just pure dominance. I can't say if she's the best player of all time because honestly, I don't know. I wasn't around when Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi were in college, but of my generation, at least, I think she's the best player. It's just the way that she sparks fear in people when you play her, because you know she's going to beat you. She's going to put up, at the very least, 20, probably 30, 
probably 40 every night, a double, double every night, maybe even triple, double. She's just such a threat in so many ways on the court. She's the leader of the team, the leader of the offense. And I just think that everyone loves how dominant she is and how she's just confident. Like she knows she is good. I wouldn't say she's cocky, but she's just so likable in the fact, you know, she'll make her gestures after she makes a shot or she gets so fired up after they win. Like, it's just, it's fun to watch. She shows emotion. She's not afraid to show emotion and she's just so dominant and she can back it up. So that's why I love her at least. And I think that's why the country does too. Yeah. I mean, also here's something that like, I really hope that the NCAA ESPN sports networks are paying attention because this is the first year where women's basketball has been given like those better network time slots um, mm-hmm. with like primetime ESPN viewing. Like you used to have to really dig to watch right. the women's tournament. It wasn't readily available to people. Um, there was increased advertising money put into the women's tournament. There was increased media coverage. Like it helps. It's, I would argue a lot because I think that there have been players – like Caitlin Clark is a powerhouse and it is so fun to watch her play. And that is always going to be a draw. But I think if people, I think throughout history, there have been other players who are like that mm-hmm. and they didn't get the same coverage and maybe women's basketball could have taken out a, a lot sooner had they been like given that same coverage. Um, and I, you know, you mentioned kind of the gesture she makes. So that's a good segue into the conversation around Angel Reese and her gestures in the game, which in the fourth quarter, for those of you who didn't see Angel Reese did like a, you can't see me gesture. Um, And there were more, I would say more news stories about that gesture than there were about like the caliber of play that we saw from Angel Reese in the final game, which Mm -hmm. is so frustrating because she did such an unbelievable job on the court of like getting it done like she just she left everything on that floor she earned that title the whole team did and she was obviously the standout of the tournament and like I just feel like you know we're at a point now where women's basketball is getting more coverage than it ever has and that's super important um but men and male athletes are applauded for gestures like that and then Angel Reese gets up there and like does the same gesture and gets chastised for it by the media. And Caitlin Clark has done that same thing all season long to people. And people are like cheering it on because it's good competitive trash talk. And that's part of being a competitor at the highest level. Like Caitlin Clark is not a fragile competitor. She defended Angel Reese, but like Mm -hmm. there is such a double standard in sports of like what is allowed in men's sports versus women's sports or like even what is allowed for white women compared to black women in the way that media are, the media are covering this. And I'm just like frustrated that the stories about Angel Reese are about this silly gesture and not about what a spectacular basketball player she is. Yeah, it is very frustrating and just surprising that the amount of coverage that this has gotten, like it was all over my Twitter timeline it was on sports talk shows. Like it was all anyone talked about more so than the game, which should never be the case. Cause yeah, like you said, if this was a men's game, 
like it would have been like five seconds on sports center oh look what he did moved on like that would have been it so it is frustrating the double standard um and you know caitlin clark has come out and publicly said like like i don't care like angel reese is a great player like honestly like this trash talking is good for women's basketball like who doesn't love that competitive nature between two teams two players two of the best players in college basketball so it is frustrating because this is this is good for the game you know people obviously want to tune in to see great basketball but they want to see that fire and that emotion that comes out from players as well and she shows this and then she gets so much backlash and Kudos to her. She did not back down. Like she was confident in herself. She, you know, defended herself. Um, so hopefully people learn from this and take what Caitlin Clark said. Like this doesn't matter. She shouldn't even have to say that because it doesn't matter. But the fact that she did come out and say, you know, respect to Angel Reese, hopefully everyone else will just drop it and realize what a great player Angel Reese is and just just enjoy the game. Like it's all for fun. Yeah. And like, just to kind of put Angel Reese's performance in the tournament in perspective for people, because we've talked a lot about Caitlin Clark by the numbers this season. Um, Reese had a double double in all six tournament games, starting with in the first round, she scored 34 points and had 15 rebounds. Um, Then against Michigan, you'll love to see it. 24 points. I'm sorry, 25 points, 24 rebounds, six blocks, which was the first time a player had ever had those numbers in a tournament game. And it happened against Michigan. You love to see it. You really do. Gotta, gotta, gotta give her extra props for that. (laughs) Um, And then in the championship, she had 15 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, Three steals, one block, and no turnovers. Yeah, like people will be like, oh, she only had 15 points. Well, look at the rest of her line. <laughs> yeah, it's like every single other thing. Yeah, she's such a dynamic player. Like blood, sweat, and tears on the floor in that game. Like, right. absolutely unbelievable. And she's only a sophomore. And she's only a sophomore. <laughs> so we get many more years yeah. of Angel Reese. Okay. And, and Caitlin Clark. We get a, hopefully we get a rematch next year. I would love to see. I would love it. I do think that like the numbers would be off the charts for people mm-hmm. watching. Yeah. Hey, speaking of numbers, this was the most watched uh, women's game ever. Like 9 million people tuned into the title game. So yeah, crazy. Which it's again, it's what happens when you like give women coverage. People want to watch the women. For sure. With that... We've got to pause and take a breath, but when we come back, we still have to talk about the men's bracket, um, and we do have one other exciting Ohio State postseason sports update, so stay with us. Welcome back to even more basketball talk, but now we're switching to the men's bracket, which really, like, I didn't have any vested interest in. It was just chaotic and insane. Did you predict... So the final four wound up being five-seed Miami, five-seed San Diego... Oh, no, let's go in order of who they played. Five-seed Miami, four-seed UConn, and then on the other side of the bracket, five-seed San Diego State, and nine-seed Florida Atlantic. No. Did you (laughs) predict any of these? No. 
<laughs> Simply, no. I, uh, the thing is, my bracket, it kind of held up well through the first two rounds. And then it really just fell apart once the one seed started losing. And then FAU comes out of nowhere and Princeton just kept on winning. Like this year was, I feel like it was a lot more chaotic than years past. There were so many upsets this year. So many upsets. What was the biggest surprise of the tournament for you? Do you have one? Um, You know, we talked about... Purdue getting upset, so neither of us were surprised by that because we called that. It was surprising that it happened in the first round. However, for me, it was Alabama. You know, they were such a dominant team all season long, and then they get upset by San Diego State in the Sweet 16. That was really shocking to me. I mean, obviously, San Diego State went on to the national championship, but Still, I don't know. I really did expect Alabama to go further. I know they're a one seed, but that was pretty surprising for me. Yeah. Um, my Well, my big one in kind of early on, I was really surprised by Michigan State beating Marquette. Yeah, me too. That was but- not – I mean, I actually had it in my bracket, but it was one that I put in my bracket where I was kind of like, this is not – like right this is a chaos choice I don't yeah. actually think this will happen and then it did that was nuts and then see the- but then I was surprised <laughs> I was surprised that Michigan State won and then I was surprised that they lost to Kansas State I was like oh now that they won I think that they're gonna make it really far and then they lose in the sweet 16 so I was like Michigan State just really screwed me over this year <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like, it's kind of interesting that they, I wonder if it just like woke Kansas State up where they were like, oh, crap, we have to like, yeah, mess around right now. Right. Um, the, I mean, the big shock, obviously, is Florida Atlantic. Um, yeah. And their first big win was the Sweet 16 win over Tennessee, which like, I was rooting for Tennessee. That's where my brother went to school. My family is like Vols fans. I mean, they're mm-hmm. Buckeye fans first, but like we would root for the Vols over at certainly any other SEC team. And I was at a bar watching the UCLA Gonzaga game with some friends who went to UCLA and were having like a life crisis of their own. Um, and there was one guy sitting at the bar in a Florida Atlantic jersey. And so, like, when I went up, t- or we had tried to change the channel. And they were like, no, this, this guy like requested that we keep the Tennessee-Florida Atlantic game on. And I went up to the bar to get a drink and could see that he had like a jersey on or a shirt, but you couldn't mm-hmm. see it from the back. And I was like, oh, did you like go? He went to Florida Atlantic and he was like bawling his eyes out at the bar when they won. Aww. So I am so happy for the <laughs> single man who <laughs> Maybe the entirety of Owl Nation. I don't know. Um, I've never met anyone else who went to Florida Atlantic for like their amazing run into the final four. And I was so sad when they lost it, like a real heartbreaker to San Diego. Right. Oh, such a heartbreaker. The thing that's interesting is like for a tournament that had so much insanity, where it was like the lower seed was just consistently like popping off the higher seed left and yeah. right. Um we got the like most predictable winner of the final four. Like UConn is an institution. 
that like how, what a lame finish I was like so lame like and it was I was rooting for Miami game. yeah I was disappointed I mean oh. personally I picked Duke to win it all <laughs> they went and lost in the second round so that really screwed me over but I don't know it was a fun tournament to follow though it, it was just was. like every day oh another upset nothing new yeah I had Houston winning it all that upset was uh, yeah but then I like I loved following Miami then like oh, they yeah. were just so fun to watch their coach was so Ooh. into it then yeah, yeah UConn wins their fifth title it was like a lame title game too it was not very fun to watch I only watched a little bit of the first half. And then I was like, eh, San Diego State is obviously not doing too hot. So yeah, no, it was just like, it was a pretty anticlimactic finish to a tournament that was so, so unpredictable. Yeah, all the way throughout. Um, So here's the like nebulous question of, of the tournament. Could the Ohio State men have had a chance to win a few given how they looked in the Big Ten tournament? And given um how nuts this tournament was for sure okay come on they were playing so well at the end of the season why they took all season long to wait to play that well breaks my heart but clearly purdue couldn't even beat fairly dickinson so i think ohio state could have yeah like like, i'm so sad that we i was very much like on the i understand why they didn't get seated after the tournament, like people, like I get it. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of people who thought maybe the tournament would like kind of tip them into a really low seed. And I just, you know, unfortunately, like if you take until the last week of basketball, to doesn't work out for you. It doesn't really work out that way. So like, I'm a little bit more of a realist where sport, my sports teams are concerned, but then I watched the tournament and I was like, Oh, we could totally hang. Like, We'd fit in perfectly. Just it would be upset. great. The best teams in the country, like that's kind of our specialty towards the end. Imagine, of the season. What if the Buckeyes had just like gone to the tournament as a 16 seed and like suddenly <laughs> been like an elite eight team? Oh my gosh, that would have been so fun to watch. I wish. Ugh, we'll never know. Next year, but next year we're gonna get seated. Oh, we better people, oh not like by the skin of our teeth. Yeah, and I want to have like a like our team in the tournament because this year I was kind of just following along with my bracket, but I would love to have like a actual interest in a team. I know. Yeah. I was just like, I mean, I was rooting for chaos and I got chaos. You certainly did. Yeah. I did kind of get my way. It was Um, a fun March for sure. It was, but thanks to the ladies for keeping me invested because. Exactly. (laughs) I sort of dropped off the bed after a little bit. (laughs) Um, so we do need to just give a quick shout out to our other postseason sports team here at Ohio State, which was the OSU women's gymnastics team. Um, they advanced to the regional file finals last week and then quite frankly, like should have advanced to the championships and they were robbed by bonker scoring. So I, I don't know how familiar you are with women's gymnastics and their scoring system. And the way that the like regional finals work, do you do? You- um, I watched the, I watched gymnastics in the Olympics every year, so okay. like 
Kind of, but I haven't really been following along with Ohio State. So give me the rundown. Cool. So the way that things are scored in the Olympics is pretty similar to the way that things are scored in college in terms of like the individual events. Um, So each event is scored like they're, you know, you get scored on the balance beam and they rank everyone like who is the best on the balance beam. They rank the vault, the same thing. Like, so each of the events, vault, beam, bars, floor. Um, And then one, like whoever had the highest combined average across those is like the all around Mm -hmm. winner. Um, And the way that the teams are scored is like a combination of the people that are competing for them. So you get a team score for the competitions for each meet. Mm -hmm. The regional finals operate where there's like two teams basically have a play in and then there's a bunch of quads that compete. So you have like a quad and a quad, like two separate quads and almost like a bracket. Those four each have their own meets. One of those quads is the winner from that play in round gets put into the quad. Mm-hmm. The top two teams from each quad then go into the regional finals. And that's the top two teams from the regional finals go to the championships. But then there's an added level of like individual gymnasts whose team doesn't advance can advance if they school. Like the, it's like the top two gymnasts on each event and the top all around gymnast, top two all around gymnasts whose team don't go to the finals also get to like go to the finals as individual gymnasts. Okay. So OSU's team as a team should have advanced to the championships and lost to Oklahoma despite like banana scoring they were really robbed um and people who watch gymnastics and care like can back me up on this um I don't like to say that teams are robbed just because they're my team but there was just like Oklahoma was the heavy favorite in this region to go to the finals and they had like a major fall and looked really messy (laughs) And they just should not have advanced. Meanwhile, like OSU was cranking them out. Like they looked fire. So I'm a little annoyed about that. However, we had Peyton Harris and Lexi Edwards advance as individual gymnasts. So now Harris is competing as an all-around gymnast and Edwards will be competing on floor at the national championships next week. And I just wanted to shout them out because I think that that's really exciting. And if you need some like post-basketball, post-season energy to ch- somewhere to channel your sports energy into like pay attention to Peyton Harris and Le- Lexi Edwards. Cause they have a championship coming up. Yeah. That's so awesome that at least they're still competing. It sounds like the team definitely was robbed, but at least we still have them too to cheer for. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully they do well. Yeah. Great for the program. Like always good to have our gymnasts represented and like college gymnastics is so competitive. So mm-hmm. it's like a very exciting now. Pey- Peyton Harris, a freshman. It's just, it's like, Oh wow. Exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of gymnastics, did you see that SUNY Lee had to like basically retire from this year and give up her college eligibility? Cause she had like kidney issues, like health issues. So she had to step away. I did see that. that was, yeah, that was so sad. Literally an Olympian so and now sad. had to give up her college eligibility. Yeah, that is so sad. Um, and also, like, I just can't imagine, like, gymnastics is already 
so hard on your body. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine having like an additional medical thing to deal with at that age. Right. Yeah. Again, she's so young too. So hopefully she gets better soon and is back for the next Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Like get well soon, soon Lee. That's it, you know, it's a bummer because it's like you want to see these athletes compete. And so to not mm-hmm. be able to is always like disappointing. And you obviously want them to be healthy and be at the top of their their game. Like we don't we're not ever rooting for like injuries or health problems. Right. And it's like disappointing when someone who is such an elite athlete is just like unable to compete for things totally out of their control. Yeah, especially with internal injuries, like you can't mess around with those. Yeah, no, not at all. So scary. Um, well, that's all we have. But before we wrap up the show, shall we do our end of show shout outs? Yes. So I am just so happy baseball is back. I'm a huge baseball fan and I'm a Yankees fan on top of that. So I got a shout out. My guy, Aaron Judge, um, he hit a homer in his first at bat um, back, you know, on opening day. So I'm a happy girl. I'm just so I'm looking forward to this season. I think this could be the year that the Yankees win it all. I say that every year, but I really believe in this year. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> it's not the year that the Cubs will win it all, but I'm going to like cling to a shred of hope. You should have a pretty good year. Nah, we're going to be below 500. It, they're doing – It's this is going to be a below 500 year for the Cubs, but I think that like they're putting the right pieces in place, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, you're rebuilding. You're reloading. Like I just we need we need to get rid of the Ricketts family. We need to get rid of them. <laughs> we'll see. Probably won't happen. Well, I, don't but... think that, I don't think that we will, but it would be great if we could. <laughs> uh, um my shout out is gonna be Bryce Sensabaugh, who has declared for the NBA draft. Um he is keeping his eligibility as an option, so there is still a chance that he'll be back in a buckeye uniform, but just wanna shout him out wish him well with the draft. Um, And I, you know, it's like as much as I want to say, I hope we see him back next year. Like for his sake, I hope we don't. Right. It's the same situation as Malachi last year. Like you just love him so much and they're only freshmen. So you obviously want as many years with them as possible, but he's got to go spread his wings in the NBA. So wish him well, but you know, whatever's best for him, maybe. He'll return to college. Probably not, but we'll see. Whatever's best for him, that's what we want. Exactly. So always rooting for him no matter what that looks like next season. Um, but wanted to shout him out because he was sensational this season despite a kind of a bummer of a season overall. He was he was great and fun to watch. So happy for him. Um, looking forward to seeing what he does next. is all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow me at Jamie Urich, Megan at Megan Hussline, and the site at LandGrant33. We will talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks!